0: been in a series as I've already mentioned experiencing the life-changing power of prayer the first Sunday was the power of prayer to change your season turn to somebody and say every once in a while you need to change your season would you do that amen and then last Sunday and again today I'm talking about the power of prayer to change your situation now aren't you glad that we have someone that we can go to in prayer Anybody glad we've got someone we can pray to? I actually feel for people who don't believe in in prayer or the power of prayer. Some, as you know, don't even believe in God. I've lived in this broken world long enough to realize that sooner or later, everybody is going to come to a point where they need the help of God Almighty in their life. You might not right now, and God bless you, that's wonderful, but somewhere you will. And when that time comes, I want you to know that God is moved by prayer. Some people, as I mentioned, don't even believe in God. And so I've got a joke for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a joke. Would you do that right now? This is a joke. This is a joke. Okay. This is a joke. I've heard there are now dial-up prayers for atheists. Okay. You call up and it rings, but nobody answers. (laughs) That's a rough place to be in life. I'm turning to our text, Luke 18, and I'll give you a moment to find it. Thank you so much for coming to be with us today. Um, I actually was in the office with a hairdryer drying down my suit. I preached that hard this morning. I'm serious, I did. If you saw me after the first service, I was a mess. And it was the weight of the message more than it is. It is a little warm up here on this stage today, but more than that, it's the weight of the message that I'm carrying right now. And I've learned that during the many years I've been in ministry, some messages carry a heavier weight than do others. This is one of those. In Luke 18, verse one, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man, There was a widow in that city. Now, many parables are simply made up stories. But this, many scholars believe, comes from an actual life experience. An actual widow, an actual need, an actual city that she was in, and the judge, it was a magistrate in that area. Some even believe it might have been Pontius Pilate. And this widow came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Do you know we have an adversary? Turn to your neighbor and say, You have an adversary. Would you do that? And no, ma'am, I didn't mean your husband either. Amen. wasn't talking about your wife, sir. Amen. And he would not for a while. The judge would not. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And then in First Thessalonians 5:17, three profound words pray without ceasing. It's unfortunate that some of us come from a background that believe the only time you're praying is when you're on your knees. That is one place to pray. You enter your closet to pray. But one of the most blessed experiences that I've ever had in my life is reading a book by a monk written hundreds of years ago named Brother Lawrence and the book was entitled this, Practicing the Presence of God. Anybody ever read that book? Because it was very popular at one point in Christian circles. It teaches a profound truth. Yes, you can pray on your knees. But many people disengage from God at that point and then go do the rest of their things in life. What many people don't think about is, yes, we can actually chew gum and walk at the same time, believe it or not. You can keep God in your mind and your mind focused on God while you're doing other things. You can give your job 100% and still Have your mind focused on him. That's practicing the presence of God. An awareness that he's always there. That's important to what I'm going to talk about today. Because in this story, this lady has no political influence. She's by herself, which means she doesn't even have family to stand for her and speak on her behalf. She doesn't have resources. She can't make a contribution to this judge's favorite, quote, charity. You know what I'm talking about? She can't make a contribution to his campaign. Give him a little money under the table. Do those kind of things. I'll tell you an interesting fact. I'm in and out of Africa a lot. And this happens all over the world and even here. But in some places in Africa, there's so much money under the table that has been stolen by government officials that they artificially inflate the values of real estate to such a point that the poor people of the country can't even afford to have land. And the reason is, is because used to, they could put that money in offshore accounts. Now you can't carry it. Anything $10,000 above and above, the bank tracks it, right? And not only that, you carry it out in an attache. They're currency-sniffing dogs in the airport. You ever see these dogs? Everybody thinks that's for drugs. No, Mm -mm. a lot of them are currency-sniffing dogs looking for illegal money that has been built and stolen and put under the table. I hear people complain about this all the time. I've talked to officials and government officials in other countries as well. Well, listen, this lady didn't have anything to give to this official. And so he's determined, I have nothing to do with her. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to waste my time. I don't fear God. I don't fear man. If it's not, it's not a question of me doing what's right because I just don't even care. If it doesn't benefit me, not interested. And this lady kept coming every day. And here is where many believers misunderstand this story. They think God is comparing himself to this unjust judge. That's not true. God is actually contrasting himself with this unjust judge. He's juxtapositioning his divine nature against the corrupt and fallen nature of this man that is wicked to the core. And this wicked judge says, I'm going to grant this woman her request simply because she's coming so much, she's wearing me out. And the Lord said, if he in all of his wickedness and lack of sympathy and concern can be moved by her plight and give her her request because she refuses to let go and continues to come, how much more will a heavenly father who actually loves us so much that he would give his only begotten son to save us. How much more can he be moved to act on our behalf? And so the Lord is saying that if you'll just hold on, he will answer you speedily. But he said the problem is, he's not sure when the son of man comes that he's going to find faith in the earth. And the reason is, is because many of us have a tendency to look at our God like this unjust judge. We think we're trying to persuade him. We aren't. And I'm going to get into a realm of prayer today where you're going to discover you really do have an enemy that wars against you. I want to pray. Father, I ask that you would open the word to our understanding, transform us by the power of your word today, and let your word forever impact our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. The first week I began to talk about this. I talked about the power of of prayer to change your season. And then last week I introduced you to this fact that there are at least 12 types of prayer that are mentioned in the Bible, 12. I've never known of this being taught anywhere. It's something that I feel like God revealed to me in prayer, my personal devotions. And I even wrote a book about it. It's in the bookstore if it will assist you in developing a prayer life. And I might say that all proceeds from the book go to the building fund. I don't get anything out of that. So I can mention this and be altruistic and pure in mentioning the book and not this not be a commercial because I actually want to help you learn to pray. Last week, I talked about the seven devotional prayers. Devotional prayers, as I mentioned a moment ago, affect your vertical relationship with God. And I talked about how you enter his gates with thanksgiving. The analogy is the tabernacle. You enter the gates into the courtyard of the tabernacle with thanksgiving. Then you come into his courts with praise. But back there, there there's the holy place. And then beyond that, there's the holy of holies. You don't stop here. You enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Then you come to the holy place. And right inside, there's the word of God and the candlestick. And between them, there's an altar of incense. That altar of incense represents intercession and it literally moves the incense behind, it goes, drifts behind the veil, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and that is where the divine presence of God is at. That's the most holy place. Now, here's what I want to show you. So many people shout their prayers from out here. They don't take the time to get close to God, move in in a progression to get near to God, and they're shouting, hey, hey, hey God, help me out, I have a need. These seven types of devotional prayers actually bring you into the presence of God. That's what the worship team did for us a moment ago. And this is significant. The seven types of devotional prayers are prayers of thanksgiving, laudatory prayers of praise, prayers of contrition, prayers of petition, and then prayers of dedication, and then prayers of commitment, which are actually prayers of consecration. And then there are prayers of intimacy, and these are worship prayers. The Old Testament word for worship is shabak. And what it literally means, as I mentioned last week, is to put your head and press it on the floor so that your heart is now elevated above your head. And what that means is simply this. There will be situations you're going to encounter in life that will shake your devotion. You've got to keep your heart elevated above your head. You'll look at a situation and you'll say, I don't see how anything can help it. And you'll become discouraged. But when you have a heart that's wholly devoted to God and you're, it is above your head, your intellect, you hear what I'm saying? Then you know that God can do all things. I wish I could hear an amen. And I wanna say this. In the course of these times when you're challenged, the enemy will even say, ah, that stuff doesn't work. And you've got to realize, because of your heart that is elevated above your head, you see, that God can do things even when you can't understand them with your head, he can still do them. Oh, Lord. After the last service today, it was remarkable. We had a whole conference room full of people, and I'll say this to our first-time guest. And... Anytime that you're a first-time guest here, we love to invite our first-time attendees, if I haven't met you yet, to please go out the hall all the way to the left, and down at where I'm pointing right now, there's a conference room. And I take three to five minutes after a service to meet our, our visitors. Three to five minutes, not because I don't have more time, but because I don't want to make you wait too long. I want to let you go do what you need to do. But we don't want to pass like two ships in the night and not get to know each other. And so it gives me an opportunity to introduce myself to you and meet you personally. It's amazing the number of people that have come to this church and tell us, you know, I attended this church and that one and that one, and never once even had a chance to meet the pastor. And it's hard for me to be able to, to believe that that goes on, but I know it does. I want to get to know you. And while we were there today at the end of the service, you should have heard miracle after miracle after miracle that people were telling that God did in their lives. From a six year old boy with a brain hemorrhage that was dying, that God healed. To another man that died and was resuscitated and the doctors kept him alive on life support and told his family after two days, we got to disconnect him. And they prayed and when they prayed, he suddenly went and came to. And he was in that room back there telling his story. A number of stories like that that are, that were profoundly moving. You see, if you can understand devotional prayer, it positions you vertically to be able to then pray strategic prayers, which are horizontal. You see, vertical prayers are between you and God. But strategic prayers reach outside of you to touch people and situations. They can transform governments. Hello, somebody. They can cause societal transformation and revival. They can reach around the world. Strategic prayers are not limited by geography. One of the most profound experiences that I ever had and it still is deeply moving to me was at least 25 years ago and i've been senior pastor here i'm in my 32nd year but at the old location in the prayer room i was praying and i sank into a profound place in intercession maybe even sink is not the right word maybe i soared to a certain place all i know is the presence of god was so close and i began to pray the bible says that the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I began to pray in a prayer language that was not my usual prayer language in prayer. And it sounded amazingly far Eastern Oriental and I'm praying and tears are pouring and and I mean, it was, I was a mess and I'm groaning. I feel, I don't know what it feels like to have a baby, but, but I was aching, I was praying so intently. And I knew, because Paul said, when you pray like that, that you're supposed to pray for understanding. And I prayed, I knew something was going on. And I asked God, God, give me understanding. And suddenly it's like the mist just was pulled back, a curtain rolled out of the way. And I was looking into a jail in China. And there was a man that had been beaten and was being tortured. And by the Spirit, I knew that he was a pastor. And he had been arrested and just telling about it still chokes me up. And there was a little lady that I saw and she wasn't in jail, but she was groaning and crying and praying for her husband and crying out to God. And what she was praying, God showed me by interpretation, what she was praying. Let people of God pray, let somebody help me pray for my husband. And in that moment, my prayers went around the world to connect. Someday I'm going to meet that couple in heaven. I know that. I know that. And ever since then, I've had, I've had a profound burden for the Far East. It's a difficult place to get into, but I'm deeply moved by the Far East. And I pray for them to have revival. You ought to see some of these videos on YouTube about revival in, in China. I I'll watch them and tears stream down my face. You see, what happened is I moved into a strategic kind of prayer. This was not vertical. This was horizontal. And it reached beyond the geographic restrictions of my space, as it were, and invaded even another nation on the other side of the world. Went where I could not go behind prison bars, and found a little lady that I could not have found among one and one-half billion Chinese. You see... That's the difference in strategic prayers. Devotional prayers are vertical. Strategic prayers are horizontal. Today I wanna look at five types of strategic prayers and how learning to pray them can change your life. The first is prayers of intercession. That's what I was doing. I was in intercession. Intercessory prayers are among the most powerful prayers one can pray. And the word intercede means to stand between. You can stand between man and man in intercession. Brothers in conflict, family members in conflict, divorce, children alienated from parents. Intercession is to stand in between. But you can also stand between the enemy and man. And you can say, ah, that's as far as you go, Satan. You can't touch my family. You can't have my kids. Get out of here with your your stuff about divorce. You're not wrecking my home and my marriage. Uh-uh, Satan. That's intercession. And the third thing you intercede between is God and man. And that happens in one of two ways, or maybe both ways. One is when you stand and plead, God, save this person. And your prayers draw God and man together. Hello, somebody. And another is sometimes you stand between God and man when that person over here is deserving of judgment. And you say, wait a minute, God, let grace come and stand. Let mercy come. Let mercy come, God. Show mercy instead of judgment. You can literally stand between God and man and you can cause revival or you can ward away judgment. This is literally what happened when the king of Nineveh sat on his throne and prayed. God postponed judgment for 200 years to Nineveh because somebody said, no, God, spare them. And God said to Ezekiel, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge that I would not have to destroy the land. Uh, my judgment was coming, but I didn't want it to because I'm a God of mercy, but I'm a righteous judge and I have to balance the books. If only somebody would have said, let me intercede, they could have made judgment be delayed. Oh, somebody give God some praise. That's what Christ does for us. Hebrews 7, 25, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. In Genesis 18, verse 22 through 23, the Lord came with two angels. The two angels were on their way, on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And God told Abraham, because he said, Abraham's my friend. I got to tell him what is going on. You see, Abraham had a nephew named Lot that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And his wife was there and they had a slew of kids. We know they had at least four, at least four. Because there were two daughters that were married because the Bible mentions sons-in-law, plural. At least two. There were two that were unmarried. Now count the numbers. Abraham, Lot, two unmarried daughters. Four, two sons-in-law. At six, two daughters that were married. You're now up to eight. Back then they had a whole slew of kids. A, and lot may have had more daughters than that we don't even know but we do know that when god told abraham what was going to happen the bible said abraham went into intercession and said if there's 50 righteous will you spare it and worked all the way down to 10 and at each place god said yes i'll spare it if there's 50. i'll spare it if there's only 45. i'll spare sodom if there's only 40. all the way down to 10 and abraham stopped at 10. i used to wonder why and then it occurred to me, Abraham thought, I've got at least that fam- number of family members there, and I know they're, they're living for God. They've got to be, I taught them right. And so I can spare the city just because of my own family that's there. He had failed to take into consideration the corrupting influence of a wicked society. Don't you overlook the elements of society that are trying to corrupt your family, your children, your marriage, and even your own life. Hello, son. Body. The devil is a persuasive, insistent being who will will cause you to get on a slide toward the wrong things. It's a slow fade. Can I hear somebody say that? It's a slow fade. You don't ever intend to end up over there, but that's where you do. Because you take little bitty steps in the wrong direction, and that's what happened with Lot. And so Abraham is told this that the city of Sodom and the city of Gomorrah are going to be destroyed, Now this is the way intercession works. You see, not everyone can pray strategic prayers. Not everybody can. And one of the things that helps you to pray a strategic prayer is to develop devotional prayers. You see, if, here's what I'm trying to say. You can pray strategic prayers too. Everyone in this room can, if you will first take the time to develop a devotional prayer life. Because notice in Genesis 18, what happened? The men, the angels turned their faces away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet. Say, stood yet. Would you do that? He stayed. He didn't leave. Notice what I told you earlier. If you get in the presence of God, don't be in a hurry to leave. You are there for a reason. That's why when we end our services, when there's a great move of God, you will hear me say, don't be in a hurry to go. If you're having a breakthrough, stay until you get what you need. (laughs) Abraham stood yet before the Lord. He would not leave. Amen. And then the scripture said, Abraham drew near. Look at that. He drew near. That's what I'm talking about. He got close, devotional prayers draw you close to God. And when you get there, you're not shouting from out there on the other side of the field, the other side of the gate, you draw near to God and then you can intercede, amen. And you can make a difference. I'm talking to somebody here. This is a word of God for you because some of you in this building today Or going through circumstances. If you will intercede like Abraham. You can cause your family member to be spared. You can stand between them and judgment. You can stand between kids and a drug addiction. Yes you can. You can stand between your husband and divorce. Yes you can. You can stand between your wife and divorce. I need somebody in this house to understand what I'm saying. You can stand between the devil and poverty. And you can say I wasn't meant to be broken, disgusted, I'm a child of God. Abraham drew near, second kind of strategic prayer is a prayer, oh my God, my time is gone, of agreement. Jesus, Matthew 18, where any two or three agree is touching anything, they ask it will be done. The effectiveness of prayers dramatically increase when people pray together in unity and in faith. That is why in the name of Jesus, I curse the spirit of division. That is rising up in our nation People are divided along race, ethnicity Politics, money Education, geographic location Hello somebody If you're in California You're expected to be one way Texas another I rebuke all of that in the name of Jesus And I call for unity in our nation I call for God to send a revival For the first time in my life first time i truly understand now what solomon prayed when he said lord heal our land heal our land amen amen this is one reason i often have you share your prayer request with one another and then turn to pray for each other it's because if you're struggling to get a prayer through i'm telling you just join with somebody else and you will magnificently and powerfully increase the effectiveness of your prayer. If one can put to flight a thousand, say that one can put to flight a thousand. You can handle that in one of two ways. You can say, Woohoo, I put to flight a thousand. Or you can join with somebody else and together the two of you put to flight 10,000. Hallelujah, somebody. Join together in prayers of agreement. There are also prayers that are the declarative or confessional in nature. By confessional, I don't mean confessing sin. We've already dealt with that in prayers of contrition. That's a type of devotional prayer. We talked about that last Sunday. But declarative and confessional prayers are when you pray declaring and confessing the Word of God in the face of your situation. You see, you can either believe the circumstance or you can believe the Word of God. And this is why in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, the scripture says they, the children of God, overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know where a testimony comes from? It comes from a test. A test. You know where you get a message? You get a message from the mess you've been in. And when you've been in the middle of a test and you come out and you weren't supposed to survive, then you know what the scripture means when it says, I shall live and not die, and declare the works of the Lord. That I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Somebody give God some praise in this house. Whoa. A declarative prayer means that you declare the word of God over your situation. Amen. You don't declare the situation. You declare the word of God over it. Amen. So if the enemy comes in against you like a flood you raise up the standard of the word of the lord against him and if you're broken so broke your wallet has dust and gangrene in it you know what i'm talking about you say in the name of jesus i'm blessed i got money coming in hallelujah he gives me the power to obtain wealth i've got a promised land i've got a house he never i never built in a well that he has already dug. you declare the word of god in the face of the adverse circumstance amen an example of this and we go to it quickly psalms 91 and i've changed the pronouns in this because what it says is because look let's go he who dwells in the secret place that's what it says in the king james let's take the he out because that's third person All right. Now what I want to do is I want to talk. I want to put our personal pro down there. I want you to quote it with me or it's going to take too long. Because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Hear me, devil, and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with His feathers, and under His wings I shall take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. a thousand should, may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand but it shall not come nigh near me give God some praise in this house Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Only my eyes shall look and see the reward of the wicked, because I have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. You hear that, enemy? You take your divorce stuff and get out of here. It's not coming near this marriage. It's not coming near this house. You hear what I'm trying to communicate to you? Confessional prayers. Number four, warfare prayers. These are the prayers you pray when you go on the offensive against the enemy. Uh Uh-huh. Warfare prayers, First Kings 18.24, Elijah at Mount Carmel. Let the God who answers by fire be God. You see, people think that idols were just mere carvings of wood and stone, and they are. But what people, believers today often overlook is that these carvings actually represented demonic spirits. Baal is still alive if you did not know that. Hello, somebody. Astaroth is still alive in case you didn't know that. Moloch, the spirit of abortion is still alive if you didn't know that. Sometimes you don't wait for the enemy to come invade your house. You say, I'm going against the enemy. Hallelujah. And you go on the offensive. You go on the offensive. You go against the drug addiction that's attacking your daughter warfare prayers engage angel armies to fight for you amen one of the names of god is the lord of hosts which translates into the lord of angel armies (laughs) whoa i just felt something not the not the lord of an angel but the lord of angel armies one angel (laughs) At the end of time, one angel's going to take the devil by the scruff of his neck, remove the manhole cover from hell, slam dunk the devil into hell. One angel, his name isn't even given. Nondescript, generic, dime, a dozen ordinary angel. I'm talking about a God that's got an army of them. Hello, somebody. Warfare prayers cause angel armies to fight for Jehoshaphat. When he was attacked by the combined armies of Moab and Ammon, Jehoshaphat had all Israel, all Judah, I should say, fast and pray. And God told Jehoshaphat, stand still and see the salvation of God. Don't even worry about this because the battle's not yours, but it's the Lord's. And Jehoshaphat sent out worshipers, not an army, worshipers. And they got to worship and dancing before God in the face of the enemy. And you know what happened? The Bible said Judah never fired so much as an arrow, never threw a spear. The Word of God says, as they began to worship, God Himself ambushed the enemy army. Oh, I feel something moving. You've been under attack by the enemy. The enemy's getting ready to be attacked by God. Hallelujah! The enemy's getting ready to be attacked by God warfare prayers completely destroyed the enemy this is what happened in the New Testament when Paul stood against Elimus the sorcerer when the man tried to keep the government official Sergius Paulus from hearing the gospel in Acts 13 Paul and Barnabas had just been called into ministry and there's this government official the proconsul for the area paul's preaching to him and the man is disturbed yeah that's 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 yours right there my brother amen that's yours ambushment against the enemy god i feel the holy ghost in this house hallelujah somebody give him praise right now Whoa! giving praise, giving praise giving praise, giving praise somebody in this building is having a financial breakthrough right now it's happening in the spirit dimension yes it is your finances have been under attack but God's attacking the enemy the sorcerer did not want Paul to preach the gospel. There's something going on in this house right now. Oh, you'll pardon me if I just give him a praise break right now. I feel the Lord in this house. I got to tell him, I love you. 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 Hallelujah. And the sorcerer tried to stop. Sergius Paulus from hearing the gospel and Paul rebuked him and said God is striking you blind right now You know what God can do? God can strike your enemy in their tracks God can curse your enemy where they stand. Yes Woo! <laughs> We're about to have a breakthrough in this place. It's okay if I don't get to finish this message. Somebody's getting a touch from God right now. Somebody's having a breakthrough right now. Somebody's got their hand on the mercy seat right now. Somebody's interceding right now. Woo! The Bible said that Saul... Who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at the sorcerer and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. You hear what he said? You son of the devil. Be careful what you say. You son of the devil. That's all you need to say, you enemy of righteousness. And he smote him with blindness. God stopped him in his tracks right there. I want I want somebody to know your attack is stopping right now. Right now, we're doing warfare prayers today. Whoa. Somebody give him some praise in this house. (laughs) The final form of prayer are governmental prayers. Governmental prayers. I'm not talking about praying for the leaders of our communities and our countries. Though the apostle Paul instructed us that that is what we indeed should be doing. First Timothy two verses one through two, pray for those that have the authority, government officials and so forth. You pray for them. stand with me right now I, he didn't say pray that god will strike him dead either you hear what i'm saying hear hear what i'm talking about let's get rid of the hate let's get rid of the hate let's bury the hate let's get rid of the animosity let's get rid of the division let's get a hold of god let's make a difference let's intercede <laughs> governmental prayers pray in the kingdom of god or the rule of god Matthew 6, 10, Jesus spoke about it. He said, you ought to pray this every day. Thy kingdom. Say it with me. Thy kingdom. Say it one more time out loud. Thy That's the government of God we're calling to come. All of the problems we face in life are the result of man surrendering the government of God for the rule of the enemy when Adam failed. When God created Adam, stay with me just a moment. Like Tudor would say, give me two minutes, you can stand. He gave man authority to fulfill the four mandates of Genesis chapter 1. Those mandates are be fruitful, say it, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over it. Every one of those was surrendered to the devil when Adam gave up his divine rule. That's why you struggle to keep your nose above the water and you can't be fruitful. You said, I thought being fruitful man, having kids, or multiplying, man, no, no, no. It's not what that talking about. Being fruitful is no matter what you do, it bears fruits. Multiplying means you start out with one and you have two, and then you have four, and then you have eight, and then you have sixteen. Hello, somebody. So if you're struggling to keep your nose above the water and what you grow doesn't multiply and instead of you taking charge and subduing you find that you're always under the boot heel of something trying to subdue you and instead of you taking dominion over your finances you're at the mercy of whatever a boss wants to give you you don't have to live that way turn to somebody and say I was created for more say that I was created for more. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 said the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. I want to stop a lie the devil is telling us right now in America. He's saying the church is in its declining moments. Uh uh-uh. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Revival is coming to the United States of America. Revival is coming to Houston, Texas. Revival is coming to Washington, D.C. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I want our prayer counselors to come right now and they're going to take their places and you will notice that they have the red lanyards on to help identify them. And if you need someone to pray with you and join with you in a prayer of agreement, you find them, you pray with them. They will pray with you. You double the effectiveness of your prayer. Amen. Prayer really does change things the little widow lady had no influence but she changed a wicked judge's heart who didn't care about her and the Lord said if that can happen as much as I love you anything but anything can take place now I like to invite if you're visiting with us today so you will know I like to invite everyone here to come forward at the end of a service even our guests Even if you don't need anything, even if you're already saved. The reason is I like to pray a father's prayer of blessing over you before you go. Would everyone please come right now and we're going to pray together. And we'll only keep you a few moments. If God breaks through in your life, you don't be in a hurry to leave. Do you hear me? We don't have another service here until 2.15 in the afternoon. So you've got plenty of time. Amen come close if you're visiting with us one more time I'd like to remind you that in just a few minutes I'll slip out to the conference room right over there and I'd love to meet our first time attendees that's after we get through praying corporately you go out these doors take a hard left all the way down to the conference room as you get in that area ask anybody they'll tell you where it's at I look forward to meeting with you if I haven't had a chance to meet you and you've been coming here for a while, you get to, you join me there in the, the conference room. I want to get to know who you are. Amen. You need to know your pastor. Amen. Amen. Now listen. I want to give you a couple instructions before we pray. You say, what do we do whenever the enemy tries to stop us? Zechariah 3 and 1. The Lord showed me, Zechariah said, Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the lord and satan standing at his right hand to oppose him angels are messengers of god they had been sent to respond to joshua's prayer but satan was standing there to oppose him look at your neighbor and say you're standing in the presence of angels right now would you do that But Satan's going to try to stop you from getting what you need. You hear what I'm saying? He's going to try to stop you. Right here in the house of God, he's going to try to stop you. Yes, he is. And so how do you deal with him? Zechariah 3, the A clause in verse 2. And the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Did you see that? The Lord rebuke you. Not I rebuke you. The Lord in me rebuke you. Hello, somebody. If you've got an issue right now that you need to be removed and you're in warfare, I want you to say that. The Lord rebuke you. Would you do that? The Lord rebuke you. You see, you're not going in human power. It's not I rebuke you. It's the Lord rebuke you. And then the B clause of that same verse says... The Lord has chosen Jerusalem, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. And then it says of Joshua, is not this a brand or a branch plucked out of the fire? You need to turn to somebody and say, God's plucked me out of the fire. Would you do that right now? You may feel like you're in the fire right now, but the Lord has plucked you out. The Lord has plucked you out of that fire. The Lord has plucked you out. The devil's lying to you. You've been in the fire all this week, but God is plucking you out right now in the name of Jesus. Now, I know I'm holding you just a moment, but I've got to tell you a story. Anybody ever hear of a guy named Kim Clement? Can I see him? South African evangelist. We had him preach for us years ago. He was preaching in Georgia, and a real estate agent named Michael Croats and his wife were there. And he called Michael out, and he said, The Lord is calling you to be a United States Senator, and you're going to have a son named Caleb. Michael Croats had already been feeling he needed to get involved in politics. And on the basis of that word, he started campaigning. He was campaigning when he dropped dead outside of his hotel in Georgia as he was on the campaign trail. Wife was with him. They rushed him by ambulance to a hospital. He was without a heartbeat for 34 minutes. Ask any doctor in this building. You can live for four minutes without blood or without oxygenated blood. Six minutes your brain dies. Seven minutes it's irretrievable. Hello, somebody. You can't even come back and be a vegetable at that point. He was without oxygenated blood and without a heartbeat for 34 minutes. And they declared him dead in the emergency room. And the doctors told Mrs. Krotz, you can come in and you can see your husband before we take him away she went in there and she said michael in the name of jesus god spoke a word over you you're to be raised up and become a united states senator we're supposed to have a son named caleb i'm not making this up she created such a scene the doctor called for security to have her removed But she pulled out of their grasp and like only a wife can. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. She looked at him and said, Michael, I said, get up out of that bed. You're going to live and not die. God has a word for you. And when she said that, the machines went crazy. And he came back to life. And he served as a U.S. Senator at least four terms. I want you to know God hears and answers your prayer. Uh, Anybody in this building have something they need to touch God for right now?